You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. Maybe you're joining from somewhere around the world. I'm pumped today. We are starting a new collection of talks called Believer. And if you will today, I would like to just invite you to shift into a teaching mode rather than preaching mode, because I wanna build a foundation today to a really, really important question. And that question is, what does it mean to be a Christian? You would think, okay, surely that's not what you're gonna speak on today because we all got up and got to church at a Christian church. So we're all kind of on board with that already. But I would suspect that there's somebody in each of these gatherings and definitely somebody who's linking in from somewhere around the globe right now who really would like a good answer to that question, what does it mean to be a Christian? In surveys and polls taken by Pew Research and another one by the Public Religion Research Institute, 65 to 70% of adults in America identify as Christian. That's a crazy stat. Six to seven out of every 10 adults in this country would check a box and say, Christian. But what do we mean when we say that? Are we talking about a religious preference? So if you give me some options, I'm gonna go with Christian. Or are we talking about a geographical identity? Or are we talking about a cultural identity? Are we talking about a a moral affiliation? I mean, what is Christian? And I know for a lot of us, we're like, well, I don't know, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a Christian, ah, duh. I like Chick-fil-A, all right? So I'm a Christian, right? (laughs) But what is it to be Christian? So I wanna build a foundation today, and I wanna start with Jesus, because that would be a good place to start. And Jesus really centered this idea of being Christian around the word believe. This is a big idea for Jesus, and we see this in John chapter 3. I want to read a little bit of this text. And I was inspired uh, to get into this by a conversation I had with someone a few weeks ago, but then I was really amped about it coming back from Passion Camp. We had such an amazing week. And there was a lot of fun, but there was no fluff in this week. The morning sessions were about big questions, like the question we're going to ask in a minute, is Jesus the only way to salvation? Is the scripture trustworthy? If God is so good, why is life filled with so much pain? These were the morning sessions. And it was incredible, because middle schoolers and high schoolers are asking these questions. And they're leaning in and loving the fact that they're getting handles and answers to the big things in life. And uh, we're going to see one of these big ideas come to life in this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader, but he was intrigued by the the person of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And he came to him inquiring about the path that Jesus was offering. And Jesus responds in verse 10, and you're going to see this word that we're looking for, belief or believe in this text. You are Israel's teacher, Nicodemus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things 
and you do not, here comes for the first time, you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. So you're saying now Jesus is identifying himself now in an exclusive way. He's already giving us the tension that we're going to unpack today, which is exclusive inclusivity. You're like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a big, huge oxymoron. It is. But Jesus now is talking to someone who isn't yet a follower, and he's identifying himself in an exclusive way. He's saying he has gone into heaven and understands the things of heaven because he comes from heaven, and he's the only one that is in that category. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. So just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone, notice how wide that door is, who believes in him, in Jesus, may have eternal life. Everyone who what? Who believes in him. My niece, Ansley, was teaching on this and talking at camp about this idea of the inclusiveness of God, everyone, and the exclusiveness of Jesus, that he is the one. And these ideas are living in harmony in the heart and the mind of Jesus. And we see it really clearly in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, here comes our word now, whoever what? Believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not, here's the word again, believe stands condemned already because he is not what? Believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Do you see that tension, right? It's the inclusive nature of God, whoever, and the exclusive claims of Christ, that he is the one and only. You're like, Louis. it is not very popular right now to uh, believe in anything that is exclusive. Everything has to be inclusive now in the new world. But not really, because think about it. Even if someone were to say today on hearing these words of Jesus, that's great for Jesus, but I believe all roads lead to heaven. That sounds like the most inclusive statement you could possibly make. But listen to it again. I believe all roads lead to heaven. Okay, what if I then were to follow Jesus who said that he was the one and only son of God? And then later adding to that, in this same gospel, the same eyewitness account in John's gospel, he said, I am, Jesus did about himself, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. That's Jesus speaking. That's not a preacher talking, that's Jesus speaking. So if I then 
have a very inclusive view that says all roads lead to heaven, but then I got a guy standing in my story who says I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. He now gets excluded from my very inclusive view that all roads lead to heaven. So saying all roads lead to heaven actually excludes anyone who would believe that only a few roads lead to heaven or certainly would exclude anyone who would believe that only one road leads to heaven. So there's exclusivity everywhere in life, and there certainly is in this idea of believing. If any, anyone's not tracking yet, let me just help you a little bit. Uh, let's talk, start with inclusivity. Everyone in Georgia who wants to uh, can own a car. Anyone, look how big that is. We'll circle the, the big, wide, inclusive ones. Anyone can own a car in Georgia. Anybody own a car in Georgia? It's like, no, we're all leasing now, bro. But you can, if you want to, you can own a car in Georgia. Anyone. Now, that's a scary thought, especially, you know, out on these streets. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You're like, no, who, who let them own a car, right? These people that moved here from other places and can't drive. I don't know where they came from, Alabama, somewhere. Uh, anyone, that's, that's the inclusive part of the state of Georgia, can own a car in Georgia. However, uh-oh, now we're going to get a little exclusive. If you wish to operate it on a public road, you must, oh my goodness, let's, we don't like that word, you must have it registered with the state and, uh, oh, and something else you got to do, obtain a Georgia license plate. Really? I thought anyone could own a car. You can, but you must register it with the state and you must get a license plate, which must, here's another must, okay, we're getting a lot of must in here, must be affixed to the rear of the vehicle and something else, it is required to be renewed each year prior to your birth date. So in other words, you can't say when you're pulled over by the cops, hey, I have a license plate, it's at home in the kitchen. No, it has to be on the back of the car, and it has to be renewed every year. This is in my mind because our, our birthdays, Shelly's and mine, are right now, and so uh, we're doing this right now. This can uh, be done, this renewal thing prior to your birth date, by mail, online, at a tag office, or at your local kiosk, unless your vehicle is a 2019 model year or older, in which you, and, and, and you know, these 2019 cars, I mean, they're not worth much, right? And they're, uh, the exhaust is terrible and all. I'm like, it's 2019, <laughs> but I gotta go get an emissions test in which you must pass an emissions inspection on my 2019 car that has 7,000 miles on it. I'm pretty sure it's okay, but thank you, state of Georgia, cha-ching. before obtaining a valid decal. So now I gotta get a valid decal. Not enough that I had a tag. And you can do that at the tag office or by mail or online or as they showed me where I got my uh, emissions test, um, they were showing me where the uh, uh, options were to go get uh, a decal at the kiosk. You could get a tag kiosk is at the Disco Kroger, the Murder Kroger. <laughs> Howell Mill Kroger or the Ansley Mall Kroger, the orange machine. If you're not from Atlanta, welcome to the A. <laughs> the decal is required. 
and is affixed to the license plate, in which case all people, oh, here we go, thank you, thank you, <laughs> getting back in, uh, with the program here, all people are free. Ooh, yeah. To operate a vehicle in the state of Georgia, given that you are 16 years of age or older, and have a valid Georgia driver's license, and abide by the established rules and regulations as set forth by the state of Georgia, i.e. driving on the right side of the center lane, coming to a full stop at all stop signs, driving with your headlamps on after dark, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyone can own a car in the state of Georgia. <laughs> Very inclusive in our driving here. Now, it's different state to state. Alabama, anybody can drive, doesn't matter how old you are, and you don't really need a license plate. But in Georgia, anyone can drive. <laughs> it's in inclusive, but there's a lot of exclusivity with it, and we all kind of just happily live in that tension. And I want us to happily live in that tension with Jesus today, for God so loved, look how big this is, the world. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Inclusive, whoever, the whole world. Exclusive, he's the one and only, and the belief is in him. So when you ask the question, what is a Christian or what does it mean to be Christian? Jesus begins with this idea of belief, but I want you to look at it with me just for a minute, this word belief right here. Whoever believes in him. What does that word mean? So you've got to dig into the language that Jesus was speaking. And when you do, you un understand that this word believe means to believe. But it also means to entrust. So what Jesus is saying is, whoever entrusts, entrusts what? Entrusts your present and your future. Entrusts your physical and your spiritual entrust time and eternity with Jesus. So it's more than, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. It's more than my parents were Christians. It's more than uh, I, I mentally believe that there's someone named Jesus. No, this word believe in the language Jesus was speaking implies that I am actually entrusting to God through Christ myself and my eternity. That's what we were talking about a few weeks ago when Paul was writing in 2 Timothy. He said, because I know whom I have believed. There's our word again, and it's the same word. It's the word uh, pistuo. Same word from John 3.16 as in 2 Timothy 1.12. I know who, whom I have believed. Not just mental, and he spells it out. And am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. In other words, 
somewhere down under Christian means I have actually put my hope of now and forever in the person and the work of Jesus. I'm entrusting my eternity with him. Therefore, it is a major decision in my life. It's not something I'm born into, something that I walk in through because I came through the doors of a church. It's not something that I'm a part of because uh, I culturally live in a certain geographical part of the world. No, I have made a decision to bank on Jesus now and forever. I've, I've studied his teaching. I've seen his death, burial, and resurrection and I'm banking on his ability to be the way, the truth, and the life, the way for me to come to life in a relationship with the almighty God. And that's how the earliest followers were known. In Acts chapter four, we see a little glimpse of these people of God and, and they're called believers. Acts 4, 32, says all the believers were in one heart and mind. And so I believe Nicodemus, we think, came to the place where he believed. And now there's other people who believe and collectively we are the believers. But then we see a, a new layer. So we've gone from believe, now there's a new layer coming and we see this layer in Acts as well, but also in chapter nine. So we see believers, but then look what happens when Saul is on his way to persecute these believers. It says in verse one, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So now these believers are called disciples and we've got a new term that we're building on. What is a disciple? Well, a disciple, if you look up this word, is someone who has proper teaching, but the proper teaching moves them to proper living. That's what this word disciple actually means when you break it down. Not just that I understand all the tenets of the teaching, but that the teaching is actually moving me to action and moving me to live out the things that I'm learning. That's what a disciple is. A disciple does, doesn't just have information. A disciple now is actually taking the information and allowing that to be a guide, if you will, for how they make decisions in life. And now they are making those decisions in life. So it's knowing and living. That's what this word disciple is. So Saul is on his way breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to, do you see it? To the way, the capital W-A-Y, that he found any who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And this term pops up frequently throughout Acts. If you want to go and look at it later, chapter 19, verses 9, 23, chapter 22, verse 4, 24, verses 14 and 22, the followers of the way. So people were beginning to recognize about these disciples who knew things and were living them out, who had entrusted their present and their eternity 
with the person and the claims of Christ, they were beginning to say about them, they're the people of the way. They're the followers of the way. Isn't that interesting? That's how they were known. Not followers of a way, followers of the way. The, the one who said, I am the way. That's the one who we're following. And so they were known as followers of the way. So we've got belief, we've got disciple, we've got the way, but then everything sort of shifts uh, a little bit later in Acts in chapter 11. Saul gets saved on his way to persecute the people of the way. So that's kind of cool. Um, and now he's in the story as a follower of the way. And now the gospel is spreading outside of Jerusalem all over the known world. And it spread to this town called Antioch. And that's where we are in chapter 11, verse 19. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen, that's Stephen dying for his faith in Jerusalem. And when that happened, people just shot out of there in every direction. It was actually the catalyst, if you will, that God used to take the story of the way along the way, <laughs> further down the way was the death of this follower of the way named Stephen. And so people now were traveling as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. So this story is traveling, but it's only traveling within one people group, and that's the Jewish people group. But God doesn't want it to stay in the Jewish people group. He wants it to make it to every people group. So that's now happening, and we see it in the next verse. Some of them, verse 20, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene. Cyprus, the little island in the Mediterranean, Cyrene on the northern part of Africa. They went to Antioch, and they began to speak to Greeks also. Uh-oh, hello. Now more people are getting to hear this message, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? So now in Antioch, stuff's breaking loose. Not just Jewish people hearing the story of Jesus, but Greeks also now hearing the story of Jesus. And it's such a, a, a news flash that in the church in Jerusalem, they're like, man, we better figure out what's going on. News of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He, Barnabas, was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples, there we are, the ones who have the information about the teachings of Jesus, but now have put it into practice and are actually living it out in their lifestyle of Jesus. The disciples, oh man, this is so beautiful. We're called, what? Christians. First at Antioch. In other words, when Jesus was raised from the dead and appeared to his followers in that locked room, upper room that they were in, and they, they saw him and they realized he's alive from the dead and they entrusted their lives to him, they weren't called Christians. He didn't say, Well, congratulations, everyone. You're all now Christians. 
When the Holy Spirit came and filled the believers with great power and conviction, they preached the, the story of Jesus and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. They, they, they wasn't like they came forward, the 3,000 of them, and they said, now you're a Christian. No, they were like, are you entrusting your now and your forever into the ways of Christ and the claims of Christ? Yes, great. You're a believer. And, and now there's a bunch of believers and as believers, we're processing the things Jesus taught us, but we're letting the things Jesus taught us actually show us how to live our lives. We're, we're disciples of Christ. And then people are looking at us and going, oh man, those crazy people over there, they're part of the way. What, 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 what the way? The, the way, the way of Jesus. They're part of the Jesus way. The way, the truth, and the life. The way, they're part of that. But here now, all of a sudden, it clicks, and we don't know who, where, how, when, but someone said, you guys are Christians, and it stuck. <laughs> it stuck right in Antioch. You say, well, what was going on in Antioch? Everything. It was pandemonium in Antioch. Antioch now is in uh, Turkey, but would be in, in northern Syria at this time. And it was a pagan city filled with every kind of wickedness inside the temple and outside the temple. It was a, a, a metroplex that you would go to if, if Stephen had been murdered and you were a follower of the way and you just kind of wanted to blend in. But now blending in, the gospel is beginning to spread and it's jumping over people groups now. So it's not just Jewish people who know about it, but Greeks also. And now lots of people are getting saved and getting raised up in the teachings of Jesus. And Barnabas and Saul are there for a whole year teaching Bible studies everywhere. And now people are popping up all over Antioch and in the marketplace and in the streets. And people are looking at them and they're going, man, you guys are, whoa, you're Christian. A word that is two words put together, which means Christ, obviously, and the ending means little. So it's as if you're calling somebody a little Christ. The city now has got little Christs everywhere. No, not people who eventually are going to grow up and be Christ. People who or a chip off the block that is Christ. Literally, the word Christ means anointed. So all throughout the city are little anointed ones. Not just an anointed one in history, Christ, but God's got anointed ones everywhere now. And the first place they ever called them Christian was in Antioch. They took on the name and the identity of Jesus. They did not check a box that said, what is your preference for your religion? Uh, I'll go with Christian. No, they took on the name. Any, I'm looking around, it's a pretty young crowd at 1145, so maybe somebody online can raise a hand. Anybody remember the 70s, hello, back, back in the day? There was a band in the 70s uh, called the Grateful Dead, which is a, a weird name for a band. Just think it through sometime today when you got a few moments, you know. And they 
kind of had a psychedelic rock vibe aided by some you know, outside influences. <laughs> anybody testify? Can I get an amen? From anybody from the 70s that's sober and can remember. <laughs> and the Grateful Dead would play all across America and some people would just drop life and go with them. They just traveled around the country with them. They called them deadheads. And they didn't care. Oh, you're a deadhead. And they'd go, yeah. I'm not just identifying with a musical genre. I'm identifying with the Grateful Dead. And I don't mind being called a deadhead. In fact, I'd like to be in the band. I consider myself in the band. The open's finishing right now. Some of you are watching that on your phones. Um, it's okay. You can still be a believer. Back in the day, again, just going back in time, um, golf before Tiger, there was a guy named Arnold Palmer. Anybody ever heard of him? You're like, yes, I have that with my lunch all the time. I love an Arnold Palmer. I got a half lemonade. I get half iced tea. I, in fact, I'm going to have one today now that you mentioned it. I'm going to have an Arnold Palmer as soon as I get out of here. Well, Arnold Palmer actually is a guy. Kind of like the shoes I have on. They're Stan Smith's. And people are like, yeah, I like those shoes. No, it's actually a guy, a dude, a tennis player. His face, that's him. It's not a style, it's a, it's a guy. And Arnold Palmer was so forceful as a champion that when he would tee off on the first tee, the whole throng of the patrons would go with him. And they called him. Anybody from that era? Arnie's Army. And people loved it. They're like, yeah, that's me. Me and Arnie. I'm in Arnie's Army. I've identified with him. I'm not saying there aren't other golfers here today. I personally am with him. And this is through life. You meet some people in faith and their particular view of theology is that they are Calvinist. That's a theologian, if you didn't know. And they have identified their entire belief system with a theologian named John Calvin. I am a Calvinist. I've identified with a person. This is Braves country, by the way. All you Mets fans, be on notice. You're in Braves country. We've identified, most of us, the, the saved ones of us, we've identified with the Braves. You're in Braves country. You see how that, that works? I'm not denying the existence of other teams. I'm just telling you that I personally have identified with this team. And that's what had happened when belief in trusting grows into discipleship, which is the one I'm trusting in. That's not just for some future by and by. That, the one I'm trusting in is informing everything I think and do. And I know it sounds exclusive, 
and it is, except that it's inclusive and that anyone can come, but anyone who comes has to come through the narrow way. But everyone can get on the narrow way. Anyone who wants to can get on the narrow way, but, but it is a narrow way. But every nation, tribe, people, and tongue are invited to the grace way. Very different than the works way or the cloudy, hazy way or the I don't even know how it works out way. This is a very, very different way, the grace way. But everybody on the planet can come on the grace way. It is extremely exclusive because he's the one and only son of the almighty God. But it's extremely inclusive that whosoever will may come and drink freely of the water of life. But then it amps up to one more level. Christian, I have identified not with a religion, but I've identified with a person. So I'm not looking at the options of systems. I'm looking into the eyes of a savior and I'm saying I identify with Jesus. Call me a little Christ, if you will. So what does it mean uh, to be Christian? It could mean a lot of things, but let's just land here. It means to wholeheartedly and exclusively trust in the person and the claims of Jesus Christ. In other words, I can't entrust my present and my eternity to Jesus and also uh, put a little deposit over here in another bank account just in case. I either trust Christ and what he did on the cross for me or I don't trust that Christ did enough on the cross for me. And if I don't trust that he did enough on the cross for me and I put a little deposit with him, but then I put a little deposit here and a little here and a little here and I cover my bases with a little here and here and I sell short and I go long on these other accounts just in case the market moves a different direction, then I'm not entrusting Christ because Christ said he was the firm foundation. And he said it is finished. So if I don't believe it is finished, then I don't believe Christ. And what am I entrusting to? I'm just hedging a bet. I bet there are people in this gathering that are hedging your bet with Christ. Just in case, I'm gonna put a little down on JC. Just in case, I got some chips on the Lord. But there are others who have come to a conclusion who say, I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to keep what I have entrusted to him against that day. What day? The coming day of the Lord. 
I've entrusted to him. So to wholeheartedly, what, what does it mean to be Christian? It's someone who could say, I've wholeheartedly and I exclusively trust in the person and the claims of Jesus Christ, activating a new birth that results, you're like, whoa, this is getting a little complicated. Can we just say, I believe in God, I'm a Christian. <laughs> no, a Christian is way more than that. Activating a new birth that results in a lifestyle, hello, that mirrors Jesus' values, teaching, and ways so that others may see and know him. These Christians moving through Antioch, they were multiplying. Why? Because they checked a box on the census? No, because they were showing the city a different way. It's like the, the hack when you're going to that place that your friends have out in the, the country. And they say, yeah, the map's gonna tell you to keep going straight right when you come up the backside of this town, but, but don't do that. You're gonna see on the right a house with a big red mailbox and past that there's a little market on the corner. Take a right right there. Oh, no, no, the map's gonna tell you to keep going on US whatever, but turn right right there by the market and then it'll reroute you and you'll get here. That's how you find it. And you're like, okay, why? Because they know the way. And so if there's tension in your thinking over this inclusive exclusivity today, don't let there be tension in that. If, if there's tension in your thinking, Louis, why can't you just believe in Jesus and then let everybody else believe whatever they wanna believe? Hello, no one needs our permission to believe whatever they wanna believe. Everybody already believes whatever they wanna believe. Nobody's sending me a letter or email or calling me saying, it's okay if I believe whatever I wanna believe. Everyone on the planet believes whatever they wanna believe. So that's not really the tension point we need to get stuck on today. The point we need to get stuck on today is are we willing to let people know what we believe? the way that I have found. Are, are we willing to let people know, listen, I'm telling you, you pass the red mailbox in the little market, you take a right right there, you're gonna be amazed at what happens. You're gonna be amazed at what you find. You're gonna be amazed at how good God is. Listen, Christ, he's real. I'll show you how to follow him. I'll show you how to know him. I will reflect what he's like, what he thinks to you so you can see it in action. And then you can tell me what you think. Because people are gonna end up thinking most of what they think about Christ because of what they think about Christians. So it matters who and what a Christian is and how a Christian lives. I have rarely met anyone. I mean, literally, you can count on one hand in my entire lifetime, somebody who told me, I do not like Jesus. I am not down with Jesus. But man, people will tell you as fast as you ask him that they do not like Christians. And I'm like, why is it that people don't 
have an issue with Jesus, but they do have an issue with us. It's either because they really don't know Jesus and maybe they would have an issue with Jesus if they got to know him because he's gonna get all up in their business. Or maybe it's because we don't look as much like him as we should. A Christian, or to believe, to be a disciple, to be a part of the way, is to wholeheartedly and exclusively trust in the person and the claims of Jesus Christ. Activating a new birth that results in a lifestyle that mirrors his values, his teaching, and his ways so that others may see and know him. Does anybody want to be a Christian? Well, it starts today with belief and whoever believes in him can have eternal life. But it doesn't stay there. And next week, we're going to look at that lifestyle and what it means to show the world what Christ is really all about. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church podcast.